All right, what's up, Digital Wildcatters? Welcome to another week of Oil & Gas Startups Podcast. We got Raul in the shop today from TCES. You're going to tell me in a minute what that stands for. Oh, absolutely. But, Raul, you, uh, where, you, where are you in town from? Are you in Houston or? I'm from Houston. From I'm Houston. Actually, I'm, no, originally I'm actually born and brought up in Surat, India, which is a cool. small little business town. Uh, it's like a monarch of India, basically. Okay. And then I went, I went to school here. Uh, from there on, you know. Where'd you go to school at? University of Houston. Okay, cool. Been to a Bauer Business School. Yep, so you're Houston through and through. 18 years. And you told me uh, you've been going back and forth between Houston and Dubai lately, so you're... Oh, uh... yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It's been a journey there, yeah. Yeah. I'm still, I'm still uh, suffering from my last weekend's, last week's jet lag, so... <laughs> yeah, I bet. And so tell me real quick, first, what does TCES stand for? What do you guys do? So TCES is Transcontinental Energy Services. Uh, TCS is a, is a oil and gas service company. Okay. We do everything in terms of completion, everything in terms of production. We've got our own mixing plants. We've got our own workover rigs to build yeah. through uh, bill plugs. We've got our own torque and test units, our own flowback, uh, sand removal systems, trucking. Cool. Uh, we also, in terms of production, we do, of course, the workover rigs, wall testing, so one, one, I would say one stop shop, or I would like to say a full blown uh, completion in a production company. Got you. And so let's rewind the story a little bit. You know, tell me, um, so you go to school um, in Houston. How did you get in the oil and gas business? So I traded in my suit for, for the pair of FRs. <laughs> I was in investment banking right after school, uh, formed a packaging company, surprisingly, uh, then actually went back to India to work as a real estate developer. Okay. Came back around, of course, grew the packaging company. And I think it's early 12, 13, we got into the uh, transcontinental, got into the oil and gas business. And uh, it was a stroke of luck. A uh, bunch of deals were brought to me by my friend here. <laughs> and, uh, but you didn't want to be on the podcast. <laughs> you got to give him a shout out. You didn't want to be on the podcast. <laughs> Mm. And and we did the deal, but surprisingly, we lost millions of dollars doing the deal. We got cheated. We got we got through over that rough weather is what I like to call it. Yeah, the the the, the tuition fees for learning. Yeah, and, <laughs> that's, and there's, there's we, lots of tuition fees uh, when building a, businesses. We've got a big bunch of it. <laughs> I'm uh, right there with you. It was a, it was a it was in Howard graduation. I like to call it, but. <laughs> And uh, we grew, then we grew organically. Uh, we started with, we started with a little mixing plant. From there on, we grew into the torque and test. From there on, we grew into uh, uh, flowback, wall testing business, uh, data acquisition businesses. Uh, and then we grew into work over rig business, uh, which is the, which is about 90% of TCS's revenue today. It's from the uh, work over? Workovers. Okay, cool. We are, we are one of the fastest growing workover company in the Permian Basin today. Very cool. Uh, youngest fleet, uh, all our rigs are 2020, 2021, 2022. Nice. Uh, by far, if I can say it, uh, we are NOV's largest rig buyer this year. Very cool. And, uh, I mean, yeah, it's, so did it's, you guys, um, when, when you started, um, did you go start off in the Permian or where was, where was the, so we, the wedge for y'all? We started in Eagleford. Okay. We did not enter Permian Basin until 2018. Uh, Eagleford was our birth. Uh, Eagleford was bread and butter for almost four and a five, four and a half to five years. 
we entered Permian Basin uh, just based on some of the Eagle Foot players. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. from there on, we expanded into Permian Basin. Right now, our uh, 90% revenue actually comes from the Permian Basin. Yeah. I mean, makes sense just given the activity yeah. um, and that. But yeah, I mean, you know, back in the heyday, you had some overlap between Permian and Eagle Ford operators, you know, like a, per, um, a Pioneer, for example, um, big operator in both of those. And so you start off with, uh, you know, mixing plants and, you know, tell, you know, if someone's listening and they don't know what a mixing plant is. Um, I'm sure a lot of listeners do, but, you know, tell us what a mixing plant is so that we can, uh, I kind of want to uh, show the contrast between that and what a full-on workover rig is. So a mixing plant is basically a a chemical mixing plant. It's used usually to mix your FR and your gel on location uh, to push it downhole during completions. While you're milling plugs, you need a lot of uh, viscosity and uh, different elements. And Mm -hmm. uh, to ensure that you have that, you use a mobile mixing plant on location. You mix your FR, you mix your gel, and then you push it through pumps into your... uh, uh, into the tanks and then tanks into uh, into basically into the into downhole. Yeah. And, so so and it's a it's a size of a I would say in in general it's a eighty barrel tank. So it's a size it's a size it's a size of a, a cabin of an eighteen wheeler. Yeah. That's it. That's yeah. that's the best way to describe it. Yeah. You know when you're when you get done with these frack jobs, you have all of these plugs and you got to go mill them out mm-hmm. and. You know, when you're drilling down there, you got to bring all the cuttings back up holes. So yep. you have to pump uh, sweeps. Sweeps. And yeah, you, 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 got a, you, got a, you got a technical definition for that. No, I like it. <laughs> There's one thing I know in the world is drilling wells, okay? <laughs> <laughs> drilling wells and podcasts, and that's my life, baby. So, um, but the reason I wanted to kind of dive into what a mixing plan is, is because it's a pretty big jump to go from mixing plants up to full on workover rigs, right? And so, um, why why did y'all want to go into the business of workover rigs and get into that? You said 90% of your revenue is being generated by that now, so y'all put a heavy fe- focus on that. What was the reason reasoning for that? There is a bunch of reasons behind going into that into the workover business. Uh, number one, workover business was dominated by very older rigs, uh, some extremely large players, some extremely small players, mm-hmm. zero technology. So we saw that gap, that spread, which says we bring in the technology, we bring in the brand new units, we bring in that speed to the operation, which made sense to bring it in uh, because it was lacking in the workforce business uh, until up to 2019, Yeah, I would say. And for us, it made more financial sense because we are not a company who is here for two years, three years, four years, and then put it out on the market and sell it and walk with it. Mm-hmm. We are in for long term. Any business uh, we've done, as a company, from packaging to real estate to hospitality, any business we've done, we've done for a long term. Mm-hmm. Long term growth is obviously in a in a in a in a position where there is less barriers to entry. Mm-hmm. Uh, workover, cold tubing, frack. These are these are lesser barriers to drilling. These are lesser barriers to entry. And uh, eventually, the growth, the size we are looking at within next five to seven years, or we looked at about ten years from two thousand nineteen, was in larger businesses, which were. Larger ticket items, more complicated business, more organized business. Mm-hmm. And also it made us an ability to provide a full turnkey location. When you have a mixing plant, when you have a flowback, when you have a workover rig, all your pumps, your power swivels, your laydown machines, then you can provide a full one ticket item location. Yeah. And yeah, that is can. that was our goal. The um 
you know, I think it's interesting, you know, some of my friends, you know, parents back in the day owned uh, large oil field service companies, work over rigs that you're probably familiar with. And I was always fascinated, you know, even when I started roughnecking on drilling rigs out of high school, you know, I'd be out there with the scrub brush cleaning the rig and just thinking about the unit economics of rigs because I was like, man, how fucking cool would it be to own, own a drilling rig? And uh, then I knew, um, man, I'm f- forgetting their name now, but um, this uh, workover uh, rig company started killing it. And I was just like, man, there's got to be like, I love that business of owning rigs just because it's cool equipment to own. Like there's something just cool about it. Like, yeah. Who cares if it even makes money? It's just that I got some rigs, you I, know. And yeah. so I call it I call it running an ICU. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I want to kind of talk about building a oil field service company um, because it's hard. You know, oil field service. I mean, you got to eat glass, and it's just a tough business. Um, you know, like I was telling our team the other day, I'm like, yeah, you know, when you're a OFS hand, like all shit runs downhill. Everything's mm-hmm. always your fault. Um, you know, it's never an operator's fault. And so you got to take the brunt of that. And then, um, you know, there's always, um, you know, issues with, uh, cash flow and getting paid on time. And then, um, you know, uh, prices for OFS never seem to, uh, uh, trend linearly with the price of oil and things of that nature. So it's a very complex business, but one that I've always been fascinated by, like, I'm always like, I want to, start a OFS company, but I literally told Jake the other day, you know, it's like, you you ever going through hard times, it's like, Hey, it could be worse. We could be running an OFS company. And so <laughs> I got, I got massive respect for the people out there that do it, but let's talk about like the actual journey and operations of building an OFS, the challenges, um, you know, being able to stand out in a commoditized type of market, which you kind of alluded to with the technology, but Let's talk about all like all the all the nitty gritty stuff of running an mm-hmm. OFS and um, the challenges. I would like to uh, start on a funny note, saying all my hairs were black before I started. <laughs> hey, they're, they're starting to turn all gray. Yeah, you still got many black hairs, though, <laughs> so it's only about you know forty percent uh, gray now. <laughs> it's a, it's a journey. Uh, we started our journey with uh, I would say ten employees, uh, two mixing plants. Uh, I was the CEO. I was the CFO. And uh, there was some other uh, other help. Today we are at 220 employees uh, nice. uh, with a proper fill management. But it's a it's a journey which is very highly capital intensive. Uh, it is a journey which requires millions and millions of dollars every week mm-hmm. to sustain. A uh, lot of <laughs> lot of a uh, lot of uh, how do you say it? A lot of I wouldn't say a lot of babies, but a lot of people who are very needy. And uh, it's a it's a journey which requires a lot of expertise itself. A uh, lot of we had to gain a lot of expertise over moving over time from mixing plant to all the way to work over rig. Yeah, uh, we had a lot of changes in our company. It's it's almost a journey. is like bringing up a baby. You oh, you, yeah. you you start with a diaper. You 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 start with making them walk. You start with feeding them. Uh, you you start growing them by making them learn their first bicycle ride. Uh, to all the way to giving a car for college. Uh, same way we started with the mixing plant. Uh, we we grew the mixing plant business into seven, eight mixing plants. Uh, thereon, we went into flowback and well testing business. Uh, we grew that business. Uh, and then we went into the workhorse business, which we grew into what it is today. 
it's it's gone from a size of a 10 to 50 50 to 80 80 to 100 100 to 150 to 200 to now almost 300 yeah up. so it's it's been a journey of full of challenges challenges are uh you're always of course short on cash flow mm-hmm. uh, as as it is yeah uh payments from the operator partners are not necessarily late but they go through their op- approval processes and they're good yeah uh those are yeah, one of, yeah that's what you know even just forget late payments but it's just the cash uh cycles right I mean, absolutely it's, just, it's it's a it's an investment we have we have gone through some uh, uh almost an investment uh cycle of almost 30 40 million dollars total yeah so uh and this is all organically funded investment so yeah. we don't have a private equity or a that's impressive partner. yeah so y'all have any capital partners at all zero or capital just, partners wow Nice. This is all ingrown, organically uh, built Very uh, cool. operation. And uh, so we've gone through challenges of learning. It's a lot of learning. We've learned, we've learned how to mill our first plug after being in oil and gas. Yeah. We've learned uh, <laughs> how to send our first sweep after being in oil and gas. We've learned uh, uh, how, to, how to hire new people and actually get insurance on board after being in oil and gas. So we've learned at every step of time. Uh, a new challenge has always presented, which is a holy grail challenge. And we've overcome that, move to the next one. Uh, what I like to say is to all the entrepreneurs out there is one thing is persistence. Mm-hmm. You keep on pushing it with persistence. You'll always learn and you'll always go through those challenges. Uh, we've gone through challenges of right today. We have a very, we have top talent in terms of operation and, uh, and sales and, 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 and accounting and finance. Three years back, it seemed like an impossible thing to hire these people. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't even afford a payroll yeah. for them. The whole company's payroll was equal to that one person's payroll. Yeah. So <laughs> couldn't afford it. It is funny when you look back on things yeah. like that. Like, you know, you're like, man, my my GNA now is insane. And you're like, can't even imagine it being that Absolutely. if you look three years back. And so um, but it's also cool to take a step back and see how far that you've come because you know, at no point in business, it doesn't matter if you're in month one or year seven. I mean, you're going to have challenges and you're going to have problems and you step back and you look at, hey, this is where we're at three years ago. Um, you see that you've made progress. And I think it's super cool that you guys have grown within cash flow um, and, you know, kind of just surfed over that point. But that's a very important point because this is a capital intensive business. And even with the proper funding and capital, it's still a really tough business. And so the fact that y'all have been able to uh, manage and grow this thing within cash flow is super fucking impressive. Um, so, you know, kudos on, on that. But also gives you guys the ability when you don't have a private equity backer or any other capital partner for, for that matter, gives you all the ability to be more opportunistic and think on a longer time horizon, I imagine. Um, is that the way that you've, you've kind of seen it? Yeah, there's there's two ways I see how how we have been able to sustain our growth and develop faster of not having a PE on board is we have that independence to take our decisions. Uh, just giving you a simple example, if you're my operator or partner and 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 there's a pipe damage, just give an example. Mm-hmm. Uh, I you can ask me for a sixty thousand dollar discount and I can give it to you. If I have a capital partner, I might have to fight you for that sixty thousand dollar discount. Mm-hmm. What it does, it puts the ten million dollar business under a scanner. Yeah. If I start fighting you for a sixty thousand dollar discount, and I have a ten million dollar business with you, you're gonna think twice to give it to me or not again. 
Yeah. Versus if I just if I can give it to you offhand, you'd be like, okay, let's move on to the next pad. Yeah. And that has been a lot of our success. Is those swift decisions taken in timely manners mm-hmm. to actually grow that business. Because we have grown with our customers. Our customers have gone from drilling 20 wells to 100 wells. And yeah. we've been with them. The yeah. reason we have been able to keep them is we've been able to keep them happy. We we both know in an OFS like in, in an OFS uh, industry, you're gonna have issues on location. Yeah. No locations are gonna be, I mean, there are locations issue free, but there's gonna be locations. I mean, look, issues. it's oil and gas. It's, it's one oil of the most gas. complex operations that there is. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> you have so much of moving parts. Yeah. And and this has been a major. I'm not I'm not I'm not saying that having a private equity is a bad thing on board. But it has its own restrictions. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are your financial partners. They have their goals. They have their independence, and they have their yeah. ways of uh, of their motivations and their goals. Yeah. Uh, versus what has helped us is not being bounded by those ends, and has given us a great deal of success and of flexibility. And our flexibility has been our success. Yes, I was gonna say ultimately, what it's afforded you is the flexibility to make decisions and mm-hmm. execute quickly Absolutely. and um, move swiftly. And I think that. That's an important um, thing to talk about. You know, like right now, uh, Digital Wildcatters, we're raising a round of capital and we've raised some capital previously that just came from friends and family. But you have to really look at, okay, why are we raising capital? Do we need to raise capital? What comes with that? Because there's pros and cons to everything. You know, there's a lot of people out there like, oh, just bootstrap a business. Well, yeah, dickhead. Like most people that say that have never bootstrapped a business because it's hard. It's It's hard hard to do, right? And so much easier said than done. Um, but there's, you know, right. And, and there's right capital partners. There's right times when, uh, you should raise capital for a business. And I don't think that uh, a lot of businesses you have to go and raise massive amounts of capital for, but hearing about our no FS is actually pretty inspiring because I was like, Oh yeah, if I wanted to go start a wireline company or whatever it may be, you know, may need to start uh, with a pretty big injection of capital but i love hearing the story of like hey no we started simple and get a mixing plant and then you get five mixing plants and then you get work over or uh, flow back equipment and so that's a uh, pretty inspiring to hear someone build out this full uh service outfit and, and do it without any capital trust me it's it's been a challenge uh there has been a lot of sleepless nights involved in it yeah. there has been a lot of number crunching uh, a lot of time on spreadsheets involved in it. Yeah. But I would say it is possible. Yeah. Uh, there is not an always a need to aim and say, I'm going to start my company with $100 million in my bank. Mm-hmm. You can start with 100000 You can start with half a million. You can start with a million too. Yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be a longer ride. That's all it is. I That's mean, what it really boils down to is patience, yeah. right? Patience. And it's like, hey, look, you know, over on my side, in the tech industry, when it comes to like software development, it's like you can go slow and cheap or you can go uh, fast and expensive. And, you know, there's pros and cons to all of these things. So I don't think yeah, it's true. just very binary of one or the other. But I think that there's definitely people that are going to be listening to this and be like, oh, shit, like that's actually really inspiring that I don't have to go raise a $100 million uh, round of private equity to, to get something off the ground and started. You know, some of my favorite businesses, I like to tell people uh like these stories, like I've known some very successful like casing companies and they started off with a pair of stolen power tongs that they stole from their <laughs> last shop, right? So they actually started with less than nothing, just yeah. stealing from others. And so, yeah. uh, you know, the, the oil field service industry, man, it's just, it's fascinating to me because there's so many, um, 
stories of, you know, I can't tell you how many, I probably have more friends that are rich from starting service companies than EMPs, uh, to, to be honest, and done really well for themselves, you know, growing up out in Midland, Odessa, and, you know, start up a shop and um, have just gone about it in a very uh, gritty way of just slow, one break at a time yeah. and building it over time. And so I'm always just really, really fascinated by these businesses. Tell me about going through, um, you know, like 2020, um, obviously with the oil downturn and you said that you're growing with some of your partners. I'd also like to hear like what types of EMPs you guys um, really target. Um, but tell us kind of like going through the downturn and how y'all were able to survive and, and manage during that when there was just so much uh, carnage in the industry. So 2020 was a very interesting year for us because we grew our employee count by 100%. Wow. <laughs> we, we, we That's got to be like, you know, got to be the only OFS company that did that. <laughs> we, were, we were small enough a little bit at yeah. that point. Yeah. Uh, we grew our revenue by 65% actually that year. Uh, we entered into the well testing market starting that year. Nice. Uh, it was interesting for us because uh, uh, there, was, there, were, there was an operator called uh, Murphy Production. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were actually working for them. We were actually rigging up the very same day when the oil tanked to $35. Wow. And this were 25 wells for the next 90 days. Wow. So it was a very interesting year because uh, for us, why it was different was uh, the reason it's... We were, we were by the by the by the grace of God, we were at the right spot. We were rigging up the day the market was going down. Yeah, and this were gonna continue for next ninety days. Yeah, so, you so had we three, had you had, three, little, you had three months of runway, right? And there. and this yeah. was this was basically hundred percent of our people, hundred yeah. percent of the staff TCES had. Yeah, so you're fully so, utilized. So we're fully yeah. utilized, and hundred percent of equipment TCES. Hey, look, has. dude, you know what? Uh, sometimes just being lucky is being successful and you need a stroke of luck every once in a while that you're in the, that you're in the right spot at the right time. And, and so, and what happened was once, once that job ended, uh, we, we were out West and, uh, we were very efficient because our equipment was completely paid off. We were not leveraged. That's so another, we were, yeah, that's we were not paying any thing. banks, any 7%, 5%, 4%. Yeah. And our yards were completely owned by us. So we were not paying any rentals. So for us, it made more sense to keep everyone on board and keep the doors open and keep on working. You know, what's so funny about that is I've always just been a big believer and like, trust me, I understand growing businesses through leverage, but it's much harder to kill a business when you don't have any debt. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and really it becomes kind of a, a dumb man's name because you're like, Hey, look, I've got, this is my cost. This is how much revenue I have. And and I have any, you know, my, my cost basis is essentially zero. I mean, I'm not paying 5% to a, to a lender. And so, but when you go through downturns, guess who survives? Guess who's getting fucking incinerated in Houston right now? It's all of these uh, commercial real estate uh, funds that, yeah. um, you know, had floating loans and interest rates are just absolutely Crazy. burning them up right now. Mm -hmm. But I guarantee you there's some old dude out there that, owns all of his properties and he's a cash buyer and he's probably coming in and, and yes, <laughs> scooping these things up. That is exactly up. what we did. Yeah. We bought a rig for half a million dollars brand new. Did you really? 2020. Damn. Brand new rig, half a million dollars cash. That's awesome.
This podcast is brought to you by EnergyX. Are you tired of paying huge rates to the big cloud providers? Are you worried about being booted off a cloud platform if your company doesn't meet their ever-shifting standards? Ready to step up your data security and disaster recovery game? Well, ladies and gentlemen, your new cloud is ready. Introducing xCloud, the scalable, resilient computing cloud that is also actually affordable. It's high-performance compute for half the cost. HPC for HTC. xCloud from Red Team is opening a beta program for new cloud computing customers, and that means you, my friend. The xCloud is powered by the XMDC Immersion Cooled Modular Data Center from EnergyX. I've seen this data center in operation, and it is a total game changer. So if you want more information about the beta launch, go to the URL in the description. Type in promo code BETA, B-E-T-A, for 50% off of your first instance. And so the URL is going to be digitalwildcutters.com forward slash energy. X. We bought we bought more than uh, more than five million dollar worth of iron for a million bucks. Love it. All cash deals. Yeah. So what it did was it gave us a lot of leverage because you walk in to operators saying I have a brand new equipment, mm-hmm. and at that time a cream of the cream operators and helpers were available. Yeah. You walk in with that and you say I'm going to do a job which is going to be twenty percent lesser than anyone else in the market space. Yeah. Because I'm not leveraged at all. Yeah. <laughs> They're welcome yeah. to the open so that's arms. A, that's what you know. Your cost of capital is lower, so you also can just do jobs at a cheaper at price a cheaper as price. well. So that's actually very interesting. We did it more efficient. Yeah, at a cheaper price. Uh, we have we had that word new, from new equipment. You know, new equipment. Yeah. We had that word from Double Eagle. We did yeah. all to we did all their 150 wells or something during COVID, and it was more efficient and 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 better equipment. Yeah, and a better procedure which we could provide because we were not leveraged. Yeah. And that helped us out a lot to grow as a company because we realized the importance of newer equipment, the importance of of, of cream hands, how yeah. much efficiency-wise it makes a difference yeah. on the back end. You're not, you have, you have better hands, you have better operators, you have better knowledgeable supervisors. Yeah. Uh, you're running your equipment down less. Yeah. You're, 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 you're charging back less to your uh, operator partners. The second most important part during COVID, during COVID and actually overall as a, as a, as a motto at Transcontinental is honesty and transparency. I think transparency and just being genuine and authentic and the oil and gas business goes such a long ways. You know, um, I climbed up the ranks of oil field services pretty quickly and I'm uh, just convinced that it was because I was just honest and transparent. Yeah. Company man asked me a question and I'm not going to sit there and bullshit him and tell him, hey, look, I don't know, but give me five minutes and yeah. I'll go figure it out and, and get back to you and just having that level of trust and um, honesty goes such a long ways. And a business is driven by handshakes, and Absolutely. also a business is filled with a lot of shucksters that yeah. will will you know run extra chemicals and, and not tell you. Yeah, so. I mean, I mean, it's it's our model. It's a, our model is we want to work for a customer for next ten years, twenty years, thirty years, whatever their life cycles are till that time, rather than working for them. For, for one year, six months, five months. Yeah, and then churning them. And, and, yeah, and, and, yeah. and then trying to find another client. Yeah. It's the worst thing you can do to your business. Yeah. Yeah, so this is all super fascinating because if I was ever to go start any type of OFS business, I mean, this is how I always thought about it. I'm like, man, if you can grow within cash, have no debt, um, just good. It, it's kind of crazy that just having good customer service and being honest so simple to do and it, yeah, goes, it goes such a long ways um which is just crazy because i feel like that's table stakes like you I should think, just i think it's more inner feeling to be honest with you 
being honest and transparent is a more management's inner feeling mm-hmm. than the actual numbers and spreadsheet. Because if you if you set it within yourself and say, no matter what happens, my losses are my losses. It's not my customers' losses, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to make it into a loss for them. Yeah. The moment you start adopting that strategy within you, or your management starts starving within within themselves, that is when that transparency comes out. And it might be a little longer road, a little tougher road, because mm-hmm. your your numbers are going to look weaker. Yeah. When you do that, but yeah. on a long run, on on a spread of three years, five years, seven years. Yeah. It's a beautiful road. That's why I just don't think most people have um, low time preference and they don't think on this long enough time horizon to where they think about the big picture. They don't think in terms of 10 years, right? They think Mm -hmm. in terms of one to two years. And usually that leads to unsustainable um, businesses and business models. So, um, you know, the, you made a comment too about, you know, having good hands and good talent. Always think about, um, the drilling company I broke out for Savannah drilling back in 2010, they moved on their rigs from Canada. And one thing that stood out to me as I got more experienced in the industry, I didn't know this at the time when I actually worked on the rigs, but how much all of their hands cared, how knowledgeable they were, how particular they were about keeping care of the rigs and maintenance on the rigs. And it's like, man, those hands made everything for that company and there's it's no coincidence that we ran circles around all the other rigs on the lease and would drill wells twice as fast of them because there was a sense of pride um among the hands to take care of equipment and be knowledgeable in what we're doing and things of that nature and so um i've always found company culture and ofs to be an interesting topic you know this whole debate over the last two years about you know work from home and remote work and tech like dude i cannot <laughs> help but roll my eyes because i'm like dude fuck y'all like it's, you have to go sit in an air-conditioned office like poor you like ofs hands you don't have a fuck yeah, you're out there in 110 yeah. degrees yeah, working yeah. your fucking ass off and you know i've had people ask me like how would you create good culture in ofs and i'm like it's a really good question because it's tough right um i mean these are typically hard jobs um labor intensive and long hours and um you know for me it was always like you know, just having bosses and managers that actually seem to to care and give a shit would go yeah, a long ways yeah. too. And so interested to hear like what your takes are on creating culture at your company and, and OFS. So TCS has a has a culture of a family. Every single hand, every single operator, every single field supervisor, every single management team member working here works as a family. We we eat bread together, we drink whiskey together, and we party together and we work together. That's a culture we have. I I can tell you, I think every single hand or an operator in our company has probably had, had a beer with me. Yeah. At certain point in Midland. Yeah. At certain day. Love it. Uh, with him or with other management members. We are a very open thinking company too. It's it's out in open. My number, my phone number is out in open. Other management members' phone numbers are out in open. Any issues, we encourage our people that give us a call. Let yeah. us solve the problem. We actually have a very, very less turnaround rate. Uh, our our employee uh, retention numbers are pretty good. Cool. We, uh, it's yeah, it's we it, don't I, we don't we've we've done as far as buying cars to houses, from uh, medicals to to just giving paid time off a long a longer longer point of time. Yeah, uh, we we do everything. We are a human company. This yeah. comes from uh, in me at least. It comes from my family. Mm-hmm. I, I was brought up in a family where where 
house was an open access for every employee of the company back in India. Yeah. Uh, we had set up MRI centers for our employees. We've set up MRI centers for the community. Mm-hmm. So that mentality has flowed into, into the whole TCES system. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I can assure you any employee with a medical emergency, family emergency, uh, economic emergency will not go hungry from our, our yard. Yeah. That is not going to happen. Yeah. You know, that's, um, Ultimately, at the end of the day, I think what good culture is, is treating people like humans and treating them like adults and um, creating a place that um, they at least know, like, hey, I'm respected here. It's funny. You talked about having your phone number out in the open. I remember my last company in Venture, um, you know, not a huge company, I think 200 employees. um, So, you know, comparable size to you guys. And um, one of our hands was told to email the CEO and ask him about like if this travel expense could get approved or something. And he, he did that. He emailed them and the CEO flipped out that one of the project managers was contacting him directly and emailing him. And I was just like, what a pretentious prick to be like, Hey, no one from the company can email me or, or call me and understand that there's, you know, processes and that, that need to be followed. But <laughs> is it really that big of a deal as someone from your own company yeah. hits you up on an email like get over yourself? And so, you know, I got a, I got a call yesterday. One of our operators could not get into an ADP app and said, can you reset my password? I said, sure I can. Yeah. I should have reset for him. <laughs> yeah. hundred yeah, percent. It's yeah. like, dude, I'll help you do that. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm going to be a dick to you and make your life harder to, to, no. to operate. So Man, all super fascinating stuff. Um, you know, I, I don't get to get a ton of OFS entrepreneurs on the show, and I love when I do because it's like actually a business that I have this weird, sick, and twisted affinity for. Of like, I want to run an OFS company. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I just think that it's, um, you know, I, I think why I like it is because, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a tough and it's a challenge, but it's also – um, just fun because you're out there actually doing shit. And, um, you know, you talk about, um, getting work over rigs, like, dude, like I just think rigs are cool as shit. I've been on the biggest deep water drill ships in the world. You know, I've been on rigs all over the place and it doesn't matter what rig it is. I'm like, man, just, just rigs are, are awesome. So I'm super jealous that you guys get to get to run a few of them. We had a very uh, good experience recently. Uh, we went to one of the uh, ad knocks to drilling site yeah. in Abu Dhabi. Uh, not sure if you're supposed to discuss this or no, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they built a whole island to actually do a land drilling on an offshore. Yeah. Where they could have done an offshore, right? Yeah. So it's pretty cool to see the whole island just yeah, manually constructed. Man, man-made yeah. islands yeah. to do drilling. <laughs> yeah. No, it's... Uh, Very fascinating. It's fascinating the amount of engineering and human ingenuity in the oil and gas industry. You know, every time I go offshore, um, especially on deep water drill ships, it's just like, this is, the world needs to see this because this is just insane engineering. And yeah, you talk about making a whole man-made island, like the, like this is things that you just like think up. I always, uh, I always tell my, so a lot of my friends are in manufacturing. Yeah. I always tell them that we make a factory in a day and, de- <laughs> and, and, and dissemble them in three days. Yeah. Every single time. Yeah. That's what we do. We make a new factory. Yeah. We break a new factory. We again make it. Yeah. 
10 miles away. They're probably just like, you know, it's like, funny. How does it work? <laughs> I, I had a friend, he was a consultant and uh, all of his work was in manufacturing, especially with like semiconductors and things of that nature. And he came over to oil and gas and just couldn't wrap his head around some of the, the, the processes. And I'm like, Hey, look, dude, this isn't, you know, a, a static standalone manufacturing facility. Like th these are mobile operations. Yeah. And, um, you know, you need to get a guy like him out on a rig up and <laughs> yeah. put some work in to see how much yeah. work goes into to moving around. But, you know, for you guys, um, you know, real quick before we wrap this up, what's your goals, you know, as uh, as one of the founders and, and guy that's leading the charge? You know, what do you want to do over the next, let's call it five years with the company? So TCS for next five years is expanding uh, its, its geographic footprint. Uh, more than the service line footprint, we are expanding now the geographic ones. Uh, we are in process in establishing in five countries in the Middle East. Uh, another very important challenge we've taken on is we have actually, we're actually in a process to bid for a gas block, a complete gas block wow. in India. Yeah, It's a 527 kilometer gas block, so about uh, 144,000 acres Jeez. with the Indian government yeah. to actually drill gas wells. That's crazy. So we're gonna we are we are trying we are trying to be an OFS side as well as the operator side in this case. Yeah. Uh, these are these are the current projects in mix what we have. Yeah. Uh, over the over the span of next five years, we will we'll be we'll be concentrating a lot on uh, carbon net zero technologies R and D. Mm -hmm. We've got a sizable R and D team uh, who are whose sole focus is to work in two different divisions for next three and a half years which is net zero, uh, saving the emissions for, the, for our operator partners, and automation. We are actually in a process to see how we can start eliminating work over hands and operators straight in line. Yeah. Not eliminating them in general. Yeah, but getting them off, a, getting getting them off, off the, the basket yeah. or the snubbin yeah. basket yeah. or the floor. Yeah, that's what's... Um Man, all right, let's take five minutes and dive into this um, because, you know, what's really interesting is you look at offshore rigs, fully automated, and it never displaced jobs. You still have all your hands out mm -hmm. there, but they're out of line of fire and out of, um, you know, harm's way. And so I don't think it's ever, when you talk about automation, it's never something to be scared of like, oh, like the jobs are going away. Like, no, your job's just probably going to be easier and uh, less dangerous. Um, so that's really cool. On net zero, what do you think the opportunity is on on the uh, completion side, um, like with workover rigs? Um, you know, I've seen a lot of electrification of like wireline units and um, frac fleets. Is there any opportunity there uh, to do that? In so actually, rigs? we're in the process with one of one of the manufacturers to start building electric workover rigs. Man. Uh, we have figured out the power generation side of it. Yeah. It's done. Yeah. Uh, we are working actually on the on the motor side of the things yeah. right now, which we we know we we are done on that R and D phase where we know we can run a workover rig, actually electric, yeah. downhole. Yeah. But the process now to be what we are in the process to figure out is how to run them on the road. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's I can't put a I can't take a Tesla and put a workout rig on it. So. No, <laughs> no, you can't. So we're yeah, we're, you know, that's what I've seen. Um, you know, like in Wireline, you know, they're taking you know essentially, hey, you drive the, the truck out to location, it's diesel, but then you bring out a battery pack and run it off electricity, and then um, starting to see these hybrid Wireline trucks um, where 
you got battery built in, but these trucks are huge. Um, and so that's what I was like, you know, can you still drive it out there diesel and take, you know, take a, um, battery pack, but makes perfect sense. It's like, Hey, as long as you figure out the power generation side of it and you, you can run it, but imagine that'd be crazy. Like, it's, like think, so, think about a quiet rig so like the, that. Like, so the standalone snubbing units, We've, we're finishing the R&D. We're about, about six, seven months out on an R&D. We're actually launching in standard, standalone uh, uh, division completely. Cool. And we will start with all electric. The nice. whole units are going to be electric. The whole thing. For the pumps and everything. Cool. So it's going to be... It's in, it's in, I want to come see that when you, guys, absolutely. Uh, when you guys get it put together and operating. I want to come see yeah. that because I think that that's really fascinating. You know, sometimes I'm like, man, I kind of, you know remember like late nights on a drilling rig like all the noises put you to sleep right like that's a, <laughs> like there's something there's something about you know the 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 brake handle and just the, the, the diesels running and so so I've, I've ran by some of our operator partners and the million dollar question is how am i going to figure out if i don't hear my pop yeah that's 100 are you going to know something's wrong yeah. that's when you know something's wrong because yeah. like hey there's something that sounds different yeah. why is you know pump two's offline (laughs) so and that's such a real thing too and so that does not surprise me that that's uh some of their feedback is like there's 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 two things you can do right (laughs) either you can have an all-electric silent one or you can have a pump noise (laughs) i can provide you with both but that's all i can do that's so funny (laughs) because you cannot change the gravities yeah (laughs) that's pretty funny no i want to that's super cool man and just fascinating story um like i said super impressive what you guys have built and I'm sure that a lot of people that are listening to this are going to think the same. So um, if you guys are listening to the show and uh, you want to work with a badass uh, OFS company, hit them up. Where can they find you guys? Uh, do you have a website? Are you on LinkedIn? TCS.us is our website. Cool. We're on LinkedIn. We're cool. on Instagram. We're all over the social media. Awesome. We're we are a well-marketed company thanks to uh, Mr. Tim Taylor. Oh, Tim Taylor. I see yeah. you guys. Okay, so, cool. Shout out to yeah. Tim and Midnight Marketing. Yep. So. Cool, man. Well, uh, we'll leave some links in the show notes. So if you guys want to reach out, uh, just click the links. And dude, thanks for taking the time and uh, coming in and doing thanks, this. Thank you great. for having me. Thank yep. you, Colin. Thank you.